everybody. Welcome to Save Your Star. I'm your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my best friend and co-host, Jose Angel, where we talk about the rise and fall of your favorite, or a, a lot of times, least favorite celebrities. This week, it is Jose presenting, not, am I, am I correct? That is correct. All right. All right. Who are we talking about today? I, I wasn't sure if you landed on somebody or not. I did not. So it's (laughs) going to be a little different. Today, we'll be talking about scandals in the literary world. Oh, we haven't went there yet, really, have we? We have not, but we are educated and we read, so Jose can read. Oh, oh, I I can read. I don't read as much. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I like that. I like that. I got three little scandals for you today. It's not going to be murder like your talk show scandal episode. Mm. But I do think these are still interesting and maybe more of a gray area where there's more room for debate. Yeah. Also, you know, sometimes people ain't got to die. No, (laughs) not every time. It's definitely going to be a lighter episode, I think. All right. All right. Lighten me up. So the first person we'll be talking about is author James Fry. James Fry was born September 12th, 1969. That makes him a Virgo. Fry really burst into the fame after appearing on the Oprah Winfrey show on October 26, 2005. He was there promoting his memoir called A Million Little Pieces that documents his arrest, drug and alcohol addiction, and recovering while in rehab. Okay. While Uh the book was originally published on April 15, 2003, most of his sales did come after the episode aired. It was the number one selling book and was at the top of the New York Times nonfiction bestselling list in 2005 after the show aired. Mm-hmm. On the Oprah Winfrey episode titled The Man Who Kept Oprah Awake at Night, Oprah has Fry on there. And of course, he's just talking about his book and, you know, promoting it. Mm-hmm. But she also has members of her staff on video saying how much they love the book and Oprah saying how much she loved it. And they're all pretty emotional. It's a really heavy book. Did you read it? Are you the one who has my copy? Um, no, I've heard about this man and I've heard about this book, but I've never read it. Um, also, I would like to say the, the man who kept Oprah up at night. sounds like <laughs> Oprah has a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but that's sweet. I mean, she was like, dang, she must have really liked that because not only did she give her testimony, she was putting the camera in her worker's face is like tell them how much you love the book tell them yeah and he was (laughs) on her book club the Oprah's book club yeah you know uh that book I I remember the book club thing being a thing like if she says she likes it that shit would shoot up and I think at that time she had like a long tradition of just doing authors who were dead so this was a living author really okay now that's changed though I I see that I read it a while ago, and I remember someone borrowed this book, and I never got it back, but I don't know who. I could guess. (laughs) So for 15 weeks, James Fry was writing high. That was until the Smoking Gun published an article called A Million Little Lies, exposing James Fry's fiction addiction. Mmm. I like all that wordplay. (laughs) I know. And you can still go on the Smoking Guns website and find that article, which that's where I got most of my information from. Before the article came out, the Smoking Gun did try and reach out to James Fry about some of the inconsistencies they found in his so-called memoir. Mm-hmm. 
When the smoking gun reached out to him, he said, quote, there's nothing at this point can come out of this conversation that is good for me. Which doesn't sound too good. That sounds like I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Please don't do anything because I'm guilty. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like <laughs> After the second time the smoking gun reached out to James, he got, he gets a lawyer. And not just any regular lawyer. He got Martin Sender. If you're not on the up and up about Hollywood scandals, Marty Sender pops up here and there as sort of a Hollywood fixer. Okay. He was one of Bill Cosby's first lawyers when the accusations first came up against him. And he was also Charlie Sheen's lawyer during the firing of two and a half men. I just mentioned his other clients to show Marty Sender's not a lightweight. You know, he's obviously going to have to pay a lot to afford someone like that. Yeah, he ain't new to this. He true to this. <laughs> exactly. Sender sends a five-page email to the smoking gun on behalf of James saying... There would be a lawsuit if the smoking gun published anything that says Frey Fry is a liar or he falsified any of his background. So right now, James is scared, shook, he's panicking. And if you know how the story plays out, you know damn well James is a liar. But mm. he's going to go through the process of hiring an expensive lawyer and try to get this story killed. Damn. So the smoking gun first learned there was something off with James' story when looking for his mugshots. James claims to have been arrested 14 times by the time he was 19. Nine of those times he was underage, so those would be sealed. Yeah. But that leaves five cases that would have mugshots and court cases to prove them. Oddly enough, those were not there or they were highly exaggerated. One account, James claims he was arrested when he was 18, and he set the record for the highest blood alcohol level at 0.36 and spent a week in jail. The police report determined that was a lie. (laughs) I'm sorry. Tell me more, Maury. (laughs) Well, he was arrested and had doubled the blood alcohol level at around 0.21. He did not spend a week in jail, and he was released within hours on bond because he had chicken pox and the jail did not want him spreading chicken pox around in a jail Uh two weeks later he was fined 305 dollars and that was the end of it so not a huge difference but definitely an exaggeration yeah what why he said he said the record (laughs) yeah and a million little pieces james writes and this is directly from the book As I was driving up, I saw her standing out front with a few of her friends. I was staring at her and not paying attention to the road, and I drove onto a sidewalk and hit a cop who was standing there. I didn't hit him hard because I was only going about five miles an hour. The cop called for backup, and I sat in the car and stared at her and waited. The backup came, and they approached the car and asked me to get out. And I said, you want me out? Then make me get out, you fucking pigs. They opened the door. I started swinging and they beat my ass with billy clubs and arrested me. As they hauled me away, kicking and screaming, I tried to get the crowd to attack them and free me, which didn't happen. So in that little passage, he's talking about going to see an ex-girlfriend and he was messed up and he hit a cop and they dragged his ass out. And they hit him with Billy Club. Yeah. (laughs) But it was all Billy Goat lies. (laughs) James claims he was charged with assault with a deadly weapon, 
assaulting an officer, felony DUI, disturbing the peace, resisting arrest, driving without a license, driving without insurance, attempted incitement of a riot, possession of narcotic with the tent to distribute, and felony mayhem. He was just looking up charges. Okay. <laughs> he was facing years in prison, but ended up only serving 90 days thanks to a plea deal and help from his friend Leonard he met in rehab and a former mob boss and a federal judge he met in rehab. <laughs> While the smoking gun went dating to see if this was true, all they could find was a 1990 ticket for driving without seatbelt and speeding. He was intoxicated, but his time in jail only lasted five hours. So Man. huge difference there. A hundred percent. He was drunk on the side of the road and thought that that lie up. That's crazy. That's James, a big ass lie. It, it is a big ass lie. And <laughs> he's writing this in the book, and that's you know, it's an interesting book. Like, oh my god, this happened to someone. You know, why he was Battle. high, and yeah. he's overcome it instead yeah. of just he was a little drunk and swerved or sped or whatever like he has an addiction also to lies yes <laughs> james tried to double down on his claim saying he was arrested several times but had his record expunged that he might have got a few details wrong in the retelling of the story but for the most part it's true when he's pressed to share some records to prove any of it police records medical records that prove injuries he described in the book he refuses, saying, if he starts now, then he have to keep proving himself. Mm. Which is and I don't a, have that proof. <laughs> it's just a stupid excuse. Like, if you prove it once, then it's out there and you don't have to keep proving it. Or at least it shows your willingness uh, to, to, to verify your claims because you've been accused and you refuse to... to to uh, lay a statement at all, then this will do no good for me. Yeah. <laughs> you sounded shady already, so yeah, people about to ask. And he has said in interviews before the Smoking John article that he had records and medical records. Oh, that's to, even worse. To yeah. like go through it while he's writing, writing his memoir. Uh-huh. There is also a story in A Million Little Pieces where James talks about a girl while in high school dying in a train accident. He says the girl was his friend and told her parents she was hanging out with him, but went on a date with a football player. This caused James to be shunned from the community. And there was a train crash that involved two high school girls and a guy, but it seems like James has nothing to do with it. One of the girl's mom says James was not involved and people that were there also say James was not involved, like they're in the town. Mm, just... Tagging yourself with tragic things. He's really trying to spice up his story. Yeah, know? it's kind of a sick thing to insert himself into this tragedy. And it was like, oh, the town turned against me. And like you said, he's spicing up his story on his addiction. Like, yeah, he's what another caused it, his background. Uh-huh. James goes on Larry Kane. He's mostly defending himself. He says only 18 pages from the 448 pages were ever contested and he tries to say how a memoir is different from an autobiography and he might have changed a few things like names or locations but it's mostly true oprah even calls in and says it's much ado about nothing 
That Come on, ma- Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> you commenting? That the majority oh. of the book was about his time in rehab facility, and that's what's important. At this time, she's still standing by him. But a few weeks later, he goes on Oprah show again, and she says she feels duped. She doesn't know what to believe. And James says the smoking gun article was accurate, but the rest is true. (laughs) When Oprah presses him on his love interest in the book, Lily, who committed suicide while he was in jail, James says Lily was true. Well, there there is some data debate about that. Like I said earlier, James only spent five hours in jail, so there is already an inconsistency. He claims in the book Lily hunt herself. When Oprah presses him on this, he says, well, she slit her wrist. And she presses him. Why did you say she hunt herself? Is it because it's more dramatic? And he said, I don't think either one's dramatic, but I it was just to change the story up a little bit. And the smoking gun tried to find a woman matching Lily's description. And there is one woman who killed herself by hanging, but she was a college graduate, and that doesn't add up with the Lily in the story. Hmm. So there is nothing to prove that Lily ever existed. There is nothing to prove that Leonard, who James also wrote a sequel to, even existed. Man, um, it's just sad, man. Like, he he probably, did, you know, he was going through some stuff. He had some issues. But it's you inserting yourself into other traumatic events and or lying about events completely just to sell a book instead of just telling your story throughout. Yeah. (laughs) It's just weird. And at first, James was trying to pass the book off as a fiction novel. And if it was a fiction novel, none of this would be a problem. But it's not. I mean, it wasn't going to get the buzz as, oh, my God, you actually lived through all this? That Exactly. And he claims he changed it to a memoir and made sure everything was true on the request of publishers. But the problem is, with so many lies, who knows what is true and what is a lie? The thing with James that really gets me is he lies, gets caught, says, okay, that might be a lie, mm-hmm. and then says the rest is true. And then when the evidence comes out, when the evidence comes out that the other info is a lie, he says, oh, okay, but the rest is true. And then the yeah. cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. Like, oh, no, I just exaggerated that part, but I swear that's cool. But, you know, because of this and that, I was just scaling back and doing it. No, nah, bro. There, there's this one thing where Oprah's like, on the second interview, telling him, did you, he claims in the book he had to get a dental procedure and they could not put him under since he was in rehab. So he could not have Novocaine on this certain type of surgery in his mouth, dental surgery. Yeah. So they and, were just doing it. No pain, no gain. Yeah. He says like he held onto tennis balls and try to squeeze them when the pain and his fingernails cracked because he was squeezing them so hard. <sighs> and it's something about like, you know, it's a very traumatic scene. Mm-hmm. And Oprah says in the interview, she's like, well, when I told my dentist about this, he's like, no, you can't do that. It has to be with Novocaine. And she's like, no, no, it really happened. And I'm like, Oprah, <laughs> like, why are you defending it so hard? She but must have really liked that book, man. That was, really the book the book. Of her, that was the book of her lifetime, bro. <laughs> she, she backed down the dentist for a minute. 
No, uh, you just don't know James. You don't know James like I know James. Yeah. So <laughs> when she asked him, you know, is this true? Did you have a dental procedure out in Overton? He's like, well, I don't remember. I think I did, but I'm not sure. And I'm, that is something you would remember if you... <laughs> I, I don't think I could ever forget not having no Novocaine for in in a dentist. And he can say for all of this, you know, he maybe got something wrong. It's a memoir. It's his recollection. You know, he was under the influence on um, alcohol or drugs. But at that point in the story, he's in a rehab. So he's sober and it's something you remember, I feel like. And he has no proof of anything. So it's really just like. It's up to the public to really choose to believe anything after the article anyway. Uh-huh. I think it would all be fake. That's how I feel, too. And it is a really good book. If I did spoilers all throughout this, but if anyone's out there that wants to read it, it is a good book. I didn't Spoiler read the- alert! <laughs> too late now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I did read the second book, My Friend Leonard, but it the first one was good. It's a sad book, and it's my imaginary friend Leonard. <laughs> and a lot of people did say that Oprah on the second interview seemed like she was hostile towards him. And he said it felt <laughs> like an ambush. And I gave that to my doctor. <laughs> she had that one special. What is it? Uh, Oprah, where are they now? Uh huh. And she brings James Fry back on there. And she's saying, I didn't mean to ambush you. I thought your people knew. And they pretty much make up. But Uh, after, I mean, it is her favorite book ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) (laughs) After this, James has dropped from his publisher. And if people want a refund, they are able to get one. God damn, did he make money? Did he make money? Yeah, like, did he get to keep some money at least? Yeah, I mean, I feel like. All that trouble, you might as well. I feel like a lot of people are not going to ask for a refund yeah that is a lot of fucking work <laughs> yeah it's like i have to mail something in no hey you gonna turn that book yeah i'm gonna turn it and then two weeks later i'm gonna just keep that motherfucker it's been holding the papers down yeah the book is re-released but with a disclaimer james has had somewhat of a comeback he co-wrote the i am number four book series which did pretty good it was under a pseudonym but I think his legacy will always be he is a liar. Mm, I mean, that was smart. I've heard of those books. So I, yeah, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to conceal your name. But yeah, um, as far as James, definitely uh, sullied his name a little bit with the whole release in that. And uh, it wasn't really true. Yeah, he will always be known as a liar. And I was actually really surprised when I learned he co-wrote I Am Number 4 because that is a semi-popular book. I think they even made a movie about one of them. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read or watch it? No. Well, I you did didn't not. watch it, I know that, but you didn't read it. No. Mm. So that's all for you- James. Do you think <laughs> I feel like I know? Like do you think he was in the wrong for lying about his memoir? <laughs> Absolutely within his rights to lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, of course it, 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 he was wrong. Um, I don't know if he thought he was going to be small potatoes, so he wasn't going to get caught or 
he just really thought he wasn't gonna get caught or what but i i kind of think that too but yeah he, he was never up. on the Oprah Winfrey show. Then no one would really look into him, and it would just be like a decent book that sold semi well. Maybe Double Edged Sword. Who knows? What did it say that it was selling? It sold decently well before he uh, got the Oprah stamp. It it didn't sell as great, but it was like doing decent. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's just yeah, Double Edged Sword. It got it. It uh it made him famous and did all that, but uh as soon as people started digging into your life, because you when you when you tell these big ass unbelievable ass stories, people start to believe, yeah, that shit sounds unbelievable. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so they started digging into his shit, and of course they caught him up. The funny thing is, like the smoking gun, like I think they didn't even have any intention at all to like expose him. It was more of the, they like show um mud shots and that's all it was to be a collection of his mud shots dang looking for one thing turned it to another yeah you got and when he said he has to expunge his record it's like you wouldn't expunge a record if you're going to write a book about it it doesn't make sense uh-huh yeah that wouldn't make sense at least for me and especially if you didn't even say that you you were trying to expunge a record in the book i mean yeah. you would at least mention that and then he just when, didn't think anybody would look. Exactly. And he's not a good liar. Not a good one. <laughs> That's, That's why you got to really hire people to do it for him. Uh-huh. So the next one on our list is J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne Rowling was born July 31st, 1965, making her a Leo. A who? A Leo. A Leo. Okay. You know, I did not look that up, so I'm, I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty sure it's a Leo. Mm. I will be referring to her as Joe because that's what she does us. Not she- JK for just kidding, bitch. <laughs> Sometimes I think I put in my notes JK, so it's either to be Joe or JK. All righty. She comes from humble roots, and I feel like she needs no introduction. Everyone knows her. She is the writer of, I would say, the most popular book series in the world, Harry Potter. Yeah. Were you a Potterhead? Uh, what? What you trying to ask me, Jose? <laughs> what you trying to ask me? Did you read those? um no i tried to because the covers look nice and they were nice and big but no i just watched them that sounded weird i just watched the movies (laughs) okay i never got into them i was a hipster before hipsters were a thing so of course they were popular (laughs) i was not reading them you're too too busy brooding and wearing beanies (laughs) I'm trying to break that habit, so I think I will read them one day and watch the movies. You haven't watched the movies either. No. What? I think I, did I saw not the... know that you never watched them. They were just too popular, and I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> That's how I felt about Twilight, but I just really didn't like that shit. But I also was like, oh, if y'all don't shut the fuck up about these werewolves and vampire bitches. I did read Twilight. You know what? What the hell? (laughs) Okay. All right. You know what? Do your thing, I guess. But yeah, I I do want to 
watch and read the Harry Potter books. I mean, they are so popular and people love them. You see all these people with tattoos that I do want to read them at some point. Mm-hmm. I smacked now, Patrona. Okay. <laughs> JK found herself a single mother on welfare when she was in around 1990. And she was at a train station. She thought up the idea for Harry Potter. For the next few years, she worked on it. And the following books, like she was just thinking about all these books at once, inviting it out when she had time. Mm. She started shopping it around to publishers in 1995 and was rejected 12 times. Imagine the idiots who turned down Harry Potter. They just must hate themselves now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's such a big thing. And... You could have been one of the first people who read it, and you know, you know that if you're the publisher, potions, <laughs> hogwash. No one's gonna read this. This sounds like hogwash. <laughs> when she finally was accepted, to she got a deal for 500 books to be printed with a four thousand dollar advance. She was going to go by her name, Joanne Rowlings, but the publisher was worried that the book wouldn't sell with a female author. So mm. she chose to go by the name J.K. Rowlings. J for like J for Joanne and K for Kathleen, her grandmother. Fun fact, Joe does not have a middle name. So it's just, she's just Joanne Rowling? Uh-huh. She has no middle name. Interesting. I always wondered, like, did people just not want to give them middle names or it was lost and never found? I, I don't think she has one. Man, giving my person all the names, my little child. Yeah, some people don't have middle names. I fear my cousins don't. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that coming to myself. <laughs> okay. The first book came out in 1997. By March 1999, 3,000 copies were sold, and she started winning awards for it. In 1998, Warner Bros. brought the movie rights. Oh, they knew. They knew. Which, it it was a risk, though, because the books weren't finished yet. Yeah, but that's what they do now. Well, oh, you're right. That was back in the day. So, yeah, it was a risk. But they, I guess, I think maybe because of her... Um, they do that now, sometimes to their detriment because they're not hits. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times they are trying to find their new Harry Potter. Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, everybody likes this first book or this second book. They like the couple. Let's 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 get it into turn it to a show or a movie real quick. And either something's not right or you just can't strike lightning twice. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. In July 2000, the fourth book of the series comes out, The Goblet of Fire, and becomes the fastest-selling book in 24 hours ever. Man. The first printing was 5.3 million, and she had an advance of 1.8 million. That is a huge difference in just three years of her uh, come up. 100%. She, she killed that shit with that, that uh, advance. That's yeah. my favorite <laughs> movie. I have, Like I said, I ain't read the book, but Goblet of Fire, I think, is one of my favorite movies. So sad, though. In general or in the Harry Potter world? Oh, in the Harry Potter world. Okay. I don't think I could probably do Harry Potter into, like, my regular movies, but yeah. Okay. 
Joe did slow down her writing process. She was writing a new book with just a year in between them. So that is a hard thing to do. And with working on the films, she just had to slow down. The next book, Order of the Phoenix, didn't come out until 2003, which is still pretty good. Some sequels, it takes forever. Mm. And books are be- the books are becoming more and more popular. So the extra time in between was not hurting Joe at all. July 2005, Half-Blood Prince comes out and sold 6.9 million copies in the first 24 hours. A new record. Breaking records! And in 2007, Deathly Hollow sold 8.3 million in the first 24 hours and had the highest pre-order ever. And I think it mm-hmm. still holds the record for the most books in 24 hours. I definitely remember everything going uh, crazy when Deathly Hollow's the last book get- getting released. Everybody was trying to get that shit. Yeah, by like, that oh. by that time it was just a phenomenon that was sweeping the nation. <laughs> yes, she definitely put a spell on us. Ah, yep, can't sing that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry Potter is a book loved by many. It's not without its critiques. The most common one being that it promotes the occult or Satanism. In fact, in 2001 and 2002, it was the most challenged book, which just means people, mainly parents, wanted it to be taken out of schools and libraries. Oh, I was about to ask. What's that mean? Yeah, it was in the... Really? Just because they said it promotes Satanism and, and cult? Uh, and cults? Yeah, the cult. Hmm. Okay. 2003, <laughs> it was the second most challenged book. It didn't make an appearance in the top 10 challenge again until 2019 at number nine well at least it had some time off yeah (laughs) in the top 10 but still being challenged Mm -hmm. i think it's just so crazy that people are challenging challenging it because it's satanism or whatever like it's just some spells (laughs) like it's not that big of a deal yeah it's just about a child being bullied by a grown man wizard (laughs) yeah like I don't know. I never get that. It always reminds me of the water boy, Kathy Bates' character. Like, that's the <laughs> devil. Like, Harry Potter's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jay, Joe came under fire for her views against former President Donald Trump. Nothing as great as Chrissy Teigen's tweets to him, but she does have some good ones. <laughs> My favorite being, I don't care what kids at school call me because they are all disgusting fake losers and my real friends go to a different school you haven't heard of and they think i'm the coolest and smartest and go to parties and i don't have to tell you their names for this to be true and it's filled with spelling errors and weird capitalizations and it's a it is a quoted tweet on trump bashing the media so she's just like making fun of him when tell that cat to settle down <laughs> i i feel like she just wants to be on this podcast so bad she just misses me hey girl <laughs> when former fans say they are going to burn her books and movies over her criticizing trump she tweets well the fumes from the dvds might be toxic and i've still got your money so by all means borrow my lighter <laughs> so at this point i mean those are pretty lighthearted and She's, I feel like losing the hard Trumpers, but I don't think most of them would care enough. 
to like stop buying her books. Uh huh. They probably weren't buying them before. On <laughs> um, June, where yeah, because her books are <laughs> already done. But yeah, on June sixth, twenty twenty, there's an article talking about people that menstruate. Joe has a problem with this phrase and tweets out, "I'm sure there used to be a word for those people." And Wimbin Wimpo Wimbom, she's just being cheeky, and she's trying to say like women. Okay. And people try and tell her that saying people that menstruate is more inclusive and saying women because than saying women because there can be trans men that menstruate and some women don't menstruate. Mm-hmm. And this is not the first time that she is accused of transphobia. She has liked tweets that refer to trans women as men in dresses, which she claimed was an accident, and she has strong support behind Maya Forrester, a woman whose contract was not renewed at her job at a think tank where she worked as a tax expert. I don't know what any of that means, but that was her job, and I didn't feel like looking it up. But Maya has tweeted a man cannot turn into a female and stuff like that, and Joe took it upon herself to tweet, Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real. Hashtag I stand with Maya. Hashtag this is not real. Okay. okay. Wait, maybe I missed the thing. What What did, what did Maya do? Maya, Maya tweeted stuff, just pre-transphobic stuff like Men cannot turn into a female yeah. and stuff like that. So she wasn't she, fired, but her contract was not renewed. And so because, okay, so her contract was renewed and J.K. Rowling says all that do blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And says, but I, but to say that sex isn't real, I stand with Maya. Yeah. Like she's saying that you should not lose a job for stating that sex is real. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Okay. And it's something that Joe does repeatedly. It's to say trans people are trying to say sex isn't real, which is not the case. Sex and gender are two different things. Yeah, I'm still confused. Like, why J.K. Rowling put her dog in that fight? It didn't make sense to me. Well, after the 2020 tweet, Joe doubles down and even more and posts a lengthy post on her website. I'm not going to go through all of it but I'm going to pull out some of her arguments that people have found transphobic. You can Google JK Rowling speaking out on sex and gender issues and it should pop right up. And like I said, I'm not going to go through point by point because I, while I think it isn't important, I don't know how entertaining it would be. And I do think it's important, but I don't know if I'm the one that's educated enough to break it all down. But okay. there is a really good video. It's about an hour long, and they talk about it and go point by point. And it's, I believe it's pronounced Jamie Dodger, J-A-M-M-I-D-O-D-G-E-R, on YouTube. And it's titled, Responding to J.K. Rowling's essay, Is It Anti-Trans? And they do a great job of breaking everything down. Here are some of her arguments. She says some people are transitioning because they don't want to be subjected to homophobia by family or society. Which that doesn't make sense. People don't want homophobia, so in turn they deal with transphobia, which I, I feel less people are more less people are accepting of that. 
Yeah, I'm about to say that makes sense to me, but I wasn't gonna say nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and this is just a direct quote. She says, "The writing of young trans men reveal a group of notably sensitive and clever people. The more of their accounts of gender dysphoria I've read, with their insightful descriptions of anxiety, disassociation, eating disorders, self harm, and self hatred, the more I wondered if I'd been born 30 years later." I too might have tried to transition. The allure of escaping womanhood would have been huge. I started with severe OCD as a teenager. If I found a community and sympathy online that I couldn't find in my immediate environment, I believe I have might have been persuaded to turn myself into the son my father had openly said he preferred. So a few things there. Uh-huh. She's saying that people are transitioning to escape womanhood. So in that instance, women are transitioning to men to escape womanhood. That doesn't take into account the men who transition to women. And let's just, uh, okay. Yeah. Keep, keep going. <laughs> keep going. And, and also saying I could have been persuaded to turn myself into the son. My father had openly said he preferred. I don't think you can be persuaded to, turn into trans like it's something that someone feels inside that they are not in the right body they run a transition it's a long process if you go uh-huh. all the way through transitioning yeah so again it's not making sense yeah yeah um, jk <laughs> another yeah. thing she says is quote when you throw open the doors of bathrooms and changing rooms to any man who believes or feels he's a woman And as I said, gender confirmation certificates may now be granted without any need for surgery or hormones. Then you open the door to any and all men who wish to come inside. That is the simple truth. So the tried and true men are going to come into the restroom defense. Yeah. And how are we going to check if someone has gender reassignment surgery? Are we going to ask everyone to drop their pants and let us see their private area before they use the restroom? It's and I don't even know how to spot exactly <laughs> like it's a long ass it's a long ass um letter and she's saying this these are reasons like she's saying this is why I can't keep quiet I'm for freedom of speech and I'm for this and all these points I'm for I had more in here but again I don't feel like I'm the one to do it I'm just not educated enough I she put some facts in there like statistics I don't want to say facts but it's not like cited where she got it it's and they break it down in that video i said mm-hmm. and you don't know if it's skewed or something or it, exactly know. they they break it down how one of them that she cites is very skewed barrel she's she's on some <laughs> other stuff i don't what do you like especially out of all that too where she's like man maybe i could have just you know been born a, a who I was and then persuaded uh, to to transition into a man. And that would have been such an easier path. Yeah. it, it doesn't be, That's why reading, honestly, reading the, I consider myself a moderately smart person. Like I can read because they can read. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading it, I was just like, what, what is the saying? It's, I was 
it, I had to read it like two or three times and I had to watch that video to kind of understand it because it, it was just like working mumbo jumbo in my brain and I did not even know how to comprehend it. And what's the point of the article or this post that she's writing is like, I like I deserve to feel transphobic. I, I deserve to be transphobic because of these reasons. She's trying to say she's not transphobic, but these are important things to talk about. And this is why she said, keep talking about it. Okay. Yeah, that's not the, that's not yeah. what I got from any of that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I, I felt like I don't want someone to listen to this and like, well, you didn't let's, you didn't talk about this. And it's, it's just something that's kind of hard to talk about, like read it for yourself, be your own judge. I, I think she, I don't think she's a hateful person, like intentionally, but I think she does have transphobia in her. But some of the people who have spoken out against JK Rowling, you know, is it Rowling or Rowling? Cause I always say Rowling, but I keep finding myself say Rowling. Rowling, Rowling. <laughs> Whichever. So from Emma Watson, she said, quote, I want my trans followers to know that I and so many other people around the world see you, respect you, and love you for who you are. Um, Rupert Grant, Rupert Grant, who played Ron Reasley, said, quote, I am hugely grateful for everything that she's done. I think she's extremely talented, and I mean, clearly her works are genius. But yeah, I think also you can have huge respect for someone and still disagree with things like that. <clears throat> and Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, said, transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases their identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations who have far more expertise on the subject matter than e either Joe or I. Mm. And Daniel had a long statement. I know it was a good one. I just didn't include it all. It was good. Because her article sounds like, yeah, I'm not transphobic, but yeah, she said all <laughs> this other transphobic stuff like, yeah, now we got to check them out. And how you know this ain't no man and what blah, 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 this and 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 people aren't really trans uh they're just trying to uh make their lives better and gain privilege and what yeah it yeah. and just when she said when you throw open the doors of bathrooms and change rooms to any man who believes or feels he's a woman so right there oh yeah is right there you're not even recognizing yes you're just saying oh, automatically you do this it's just gonna be men and it, you're not even you're not even um you, you, you're like you said you're just misgendering and offending a whole community because of these into i don't even know how to explain that whole men you if you let uh trans uh transgender women and uh cisgender women share bathrooms and changing rooms that all of a sudden all this crime and sexual assault and all this stuff is going to happen. I don't, I, I don't understand it, but you know, like I you don't said, either. And we're I'm not, sure. we're, well, I'm not, I already know I'm, I'm uneducated in all, <laughs> in all and matters of worlds in life. <laughs> if someone goes and they're presenting, let's say a trans man goes and he's presenting, he looks like a man. He, you know, has a beard, he has everything, but he just 
has chosen not to get surgery or mm-hmm. he has not transitioned to that part yet like whatever the reasoning for is he supposed to use a woman's restroom or is, does he use the men's restroom like because if people are going in there and they look like a man and they are a man a trans man isn't that like people would be upset about that too that's all i'm saying they could get ridiculed and criticized and hurt either way so i think it should just be based off the gender you identify as yeah but um what was i about to say i don't know i had a point to make it lost it lost me like a bag in the wind (laughs) i really had something to say yeah keep going so They are doing a 20th anniversary special on HBO for Harry Potter films. And it is rumored that J.K. Rowling will not be in it, but they will show previously reported reported clips. I think people will always love Harry Potter, but I think they're trying to separate J.K. from that narrative. Well, yeah, because Harry Potter's still a money train. And if J.K. Rowling is saying stuff that is not favorable to the public that she write it, she write it for, that she wrote for <laughs> and that read her books, they're going to try to definitely try to uh, separate her if she's not, as you as you would like to say, playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think she can make a comeback easily. I don't even think she's like fully canceled. I, people still love Harry Potter. If And people still feel like she wasn't wrong in what she said anyway. Yeah, and I do kind of feel that a lot of people give passes to being transphobic. Definitely one of the ones that get a pass. Uh, Homophobia and transphobia. And, you know, I mean, all of them get a pass, but definitely those lately because it's like, oh, they could... That they didn't really mean what they said, or they changed it. Yeah, you know, it's it's whatever. They they'll switch up if they feel like they're losing support, or they double down if they feel like they got the people that they need. So that's all I really have for J.K. Rowling. Like, it's not a huge one. It's she has said some stupid shit, some transphobic shit, but I feel she might be easily made to come back. If the transphobia is the only thing that she um did and like you said there's still people behind her if she writes a book who knows what'll happen or if she you know oops sorry releases a new statement like you said who knows what happens but i don't know uh like you said this is the literary world i don't have too much i don't have too much stake or ears in that so i don't know what happens around there if people truly get canceled as writers yeah that is true that is true the last one is a small little standard scandal. <laughs> small little scandal dander. <laughs> <laughs> Author Janine Cummins. Janine is mostly known for her book called American Dirt, which was also listed in Oprah's book club. American Dirt is about a Mexican woman named Lydia and her son Luca, who have their entire family killed off during a quinceanera by Mexican cartels and have to escape to America to get to safety. I remember before the book was even released, there was a huge push in advertisement for the book. It was in a bidding war between publishers, 
500,000 books were printed for the first release. And 500,000? 500,000. Do they be doing it that high or was she special? That's not mm. like a lot, but just because I guess with the whole J.K. Rowling and all that, but still, damn, that's not like a lot of books. Yeah, it, it is a lot of books. And she got a seven-figure deal, which okay. I didn't see an exact amount, but some reports say a million dollar advance. Okay. And she has written before, but it's like nothing that was that successful. Hmm. It was marketed as the migrant experience. I even pre-ordered it when it came out, not really knowing about it. I you just of, heard the buzz. I heard the buzz, and it's like talking about this migrant experience of people who have to cross the border. I'm like, oh, that sounds so interesting. Like a Latinx author is writing this. Okay. Cummins had previously stated she identifies as white, but now there's a Puerto Rican grandmother, and she identifies as white and Latina. Which she should be able to identify with her race, but it seems she is only doing it to justify her writing this book. Wait, so she's white, but she has a grandmother who's Puerto Rican? Yes. So okay. she, that makes her like, what, one-fourth Puerto Rican? <laughs> Fractions me? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which it's okay. If, you know, people can go through a journey in life, they can one day identify with white and think, I want to get in touch with my Puerto Rican side. and later identify as Puerto Rican. I kind of understand that. Okay. But I, I, I have no nickel in this quarter. <laughs> but I don't think that she's really identifying it. I think she's trying to do that to justify her reason for write, writing the book. Yeah, because you're writing about such a specific experience and people will be like, but girl, you ain't, you, you mostly white. Uh-huh. She okay. even said in a New York Times interview, I don't know if I'm the right person to tell this story, and she wished someone slightly browner would write this story. She says, I do think that the conversation about cultural appropriation is incredible, incredibly important, but I also think there's a danger sometimes of going too far in silencing people. Uh-huh. So one of the main criticisms is that Janine is not the one to tell the story. There are plenty of Latinx authors out there that can write it, and there are plenty of people who have actually crossed the border but they are not getting a million dollar advance and they are not being pushed to the front. Hmm. So the way that everybody keeps framing this, like I wish somebody would have told this story. I wish somebody else would have told this story. Did she get like a book deal, like advance to write this specific story or because she wrote the story, she got the advance. Like because I know it she usually wrote the happens. Story. Yeah. That's what I thought. It usually happens the second way, but it sounds like everybody's like, Man, she could have she could have given this to somebody else. Somebody else could have done something like this, but she had this idea, and it's. I, I guess she's just trying to give herself more credit. Like I know I wrote this and everything, but if I had my wish, somebody who had more roots and was browner should have told this. But you did anyway. <laughs> the problem is that people that have the roots, people that are more that probably have lived through it or know someone who've lived through it or something like that. Someone have written the book. They're just not being the ones chosen. Oh, okay. Like they're not getting picked and pushed and they don't have the backing. Okay. I mean, you can look up Latinx authors to read instead of American dirt. And there's like 700 lists on there. So basically there's way better books out there, but they didn't pick those. They, they picked her. Yes. Okay. Janine also said her husband was undocumented 
which is true. He was undocumented, but from Ireland. <laughs> when you're talking about being undocumented and a book about the book you're writing is about people from Mexico or Southern America. Mm-hmm. That's misleading. Border. It's very misleading. I read the book last week. My boss asked me if I want to borrow it and out of the blue. And so I did. I don't see too many stereotypes in the book. I thought it was funny that it started off at a quinceanera, like it could have been any other party or <laughs> birthday, but it had to be that one, the one that the Mexicans do. Like, oh, the Mexicans <laughs> are having a quinceanera. <laughs> like, I, don't know. I just thought that was <laughs> kind of a little too on the nose. Okay. But it read to me like, oh my God, can you believe people trust for this reason? Or you can be deported because of paperwork? Or why was this person deported? And it's just story and story of the character meeting people on her journey and them telling her their story. And Lydia always acted surprised, which I don't think a person that is Latinx would be surprised. If we don't have someone in our family or know someone that is undocumented, we still Mm -hmm. know the stories. It's just doesn't read as authentic to me and that's because it's not because she's never had that experience so of course you would write it as shock and all yeah and i i honestly think that she's coming from it from a good place yeah if you said it wasn't too stereotypical i don't what why is everybody what well i guess you're gonna get to it janine's book cover is a blue background with barbed wire She painted her nails blue with the barbed wire, and her publisher had a dinner promoting the book with barbed wire centerpieces. Okay. Which is just bad taste. Like, I could just imagine someone being, oh, my God, it's just like the border. Like, you know, like, look at the barbed wire. Like, why would they make that decoration? Like, uh, having a, like, a black party and the centerpieces have watermelon or some shit. Yeah. It's weird. But... I kind of, the thing is, I feel, where do we draw the line? Like, can a man not write about a woman character Can you know, and vice versa? Can you only write about your specific race? It's, hmm. it gets more into that gray area because it's, I'm sure there's more books that have stereotypes in them. I, this one was not that stereotypical to me. It was not too horrible. It wasn't that offensive. Um, I don't know. I think this was just such a specific book about a specific experience that uh, um, certain people have and a, and a lot of people don't. So I think people are looking for somebody of that race and, or, and ethnicity to tell that story more grounded. I guess. Um, but I feel like anybody can write about anybody. Um, you you just got to prepare for the criticism. But yeah, uh, I don't know. What Janine's do you think? book tour was canceled and it was reported she was getting death threats and that's never okay. Damn. Well, like I said, I don't think Janine is a bad person at all. And I think this is, this conversation is not even really about her. It comes down to the fact of should she be writing this? Should other people be writing this? Is there a better person to write this? And I think at the end of the day, it's that those people are not being picked to be put up front. They're not being picked to give the advances to. 
I think that's why more people are mad. Mm, I am. I am. Like, you know, every you can write stories. Everyone write, can write stories. But it's that you're picking white people to tell the stories. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of people don't get picked for discrimination, prejudice, or marketability, or just the stupidest reasons, despite having excuse me, good, great material. Whereas they'll, they'll promote somebody else that they, is more moldable. Is that a word? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? That they can mold more or it's more, they feel palatable. I don't know. I, I don't think it's right either. But what do you think about that? Because you, you said something like, can, can a man write about a woman and things like that? Do you think that that's a that would be a problem in the future where everybody's going to be criticized about writing about anybody who's different than them? That see, that's where I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's a gray area. I think um, if it does, it's kind of that whole thing right now where they're saying a straight actor should not pay play a gay character i don't agree with that i think uh it's a very slippery slope are we to say now that gay characters cannot play straight actors and i know that has been a problem before like you know when people come out as gay in hollywood it kind of kills their career because uh-huh. people think oh well they'll never be believable as straight it's i i don't know <laughs> i i think it's if it becomes that well, there is a recent New York Times uh, analysis found that 95% of novels published between 1950 and 2018, when American Dirt came out, were written by by white authors. 95%. <laughs> Damn. So that just leaves 5% for people of color. And I do, I didn't see any recent one. That's terrible, bro. But, I mean, 1950, <laughs> maybe you're like, oh, well, it's a racist time. So I do hope that has changed. But 95%, you can't find other people to tell these stories. Oh, yeah, that that that's a terrible statistic. 5%? Yeah. And there's I, already a... Ma- no. And that is... So you have white authors, 95%. And then you have to break that 5% through all these other... Races. It's like, who gets what? Yeah, yeah. Because people of color, you got to break that down to all the different, all the different people of color. That five percent gets swallowed up quick. That's terrible. Yeah, and I think that's why people are mostly mad because it's not being pushed in front. I, but that she was a big ass example (laughs) yeah it's that that's why i say the conversation is not about her and she's just an example of it i feel sorry that she got kind of caught in the crosshairs and Uh i mean she did it she did the best thing that she could do which is um say that you know i told this story but you know there are other stories that should be told by people who are not me. <laughs> she, just, she she was very PR about it. Yeah, I just think you can do when, especially white women. That's who I see are loving the book so much. White women. <laughs> <laughs> not to shit on them because you know we love white women, but 
It's just <laughs> <laughs> we love white women. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just funny when you say that. Okay, we love the white women. We, we love them. It's just like they read the book and they're it's oh my god, I did not know this happened. And mm-hmm. I it just can you believe that this is happening down in those those countries to those little brown babies? Oh my and, god, they said 67 cents a day. We'll feed one of those, one of those muggles. And I did I did not like the ending of the book because <laughs> Obviously, it's called American Dirt, so the whole goal is to get to America, to escape the cartels, and everyone has a reasoning to get to America. Mm-hmm. But it kind of seems like once they get to America, all their problems are solved, which living undocumented in America is not an easy thing. You pretty Terrible. much don't exist. Mm-hmm. You got to really, you got to learn how to play a whole different system you've never even been raised in. And <laughs> honestly... American Dirt is when I first started thinking of a podcast because it was these type of things that I first wanted to talk about was these gray areas of which I don't know if there is a hundred percent answer because mm-hmm. it's how far do we take it? Can you? My experience, you know, I might be a Latino, but I grew up in the suburbs can i like do i write Mm -hmm. below my class or above my class you know like do i my family was very lucky to be a middle class family but can i write about a below middle class family or a rich family like how far do you take this yeah jose who are you writing about (laughs) (laughs) what you gonna write about (laughs) i'm I'm going to steer your life story right i know you (laughs) I've benefited greatly from Jose being a middle class family. <laughs> uh, Jose helped his sister out during lunch several times through the years. <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's something I could talk about honestly to the end of time of these gray areas, but I don't know. It her book did actually sell good, so it wasn't. Um, cancellation i guess yeah i mean it was a controversial one you know if if anything else don't sell controversy does so they always gonna see what the hell everybody's talking about anyway oprah was on instagram she's like i received an advanced copy and at first i didn't (laughs) at first i didn't see the problem i was just like this is a great book and then once it was brought to my attention it's a great conversation to have so we're going to sit down with the author and we're going to talk and did they? Yeah, I think they did. They had like a, it wasn't on Oprah's show because her show was over by then. It was one of the other specials or something. Yeah. Man, I'm surprised Oprah wasn't in the J.K. Rowling section. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's all for my media. Not my media. <laughs> We're about to get to media. That's all for my. <laughs> Sorry, my brain has just running so fast today. Uh, mine has been slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all my scandals today. They were different. They tell you if you liked them. Do you have anything to add before we go? Uh, I, I I liked them definitely. You know, I don't know too much about like authors. Like if I do read books, I read the books. I don't really delve into the author's life or biography. Sometimes I don't even read other books that they've wrote. 
I just kind of one and done it. But yeah, I like a, I like a different type of scandal world. Tell that cat to quiet down. I, I hear like it. So she wants to be on this podcast so bad. I just hear she's like, meow, bitch, meow, it's meow, the- bitch. Like, calm down. I'm talking here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has her opinions, I guess. Um, <laughs> she did not like what I had to say. God damn. She's like, uh-uh, let me finish. Let me <laughs> So, but yeah, that's it. That is our episode. It, it's a different vibe if you are just tuning in. I feel like all our episodes are different vibe. I say that every episode. <laughs> but- it, honestly, it depends on the subject matter. It depends on our moods. It depends on the weather, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. Subject matter is a huge thing. Because mm-hmm. we can't have the same energy and takes on these that we had on like the Bill Cosby episode. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, I we definitely, just depending on the severity, we definitely, you know, sometimes switch up. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, but, oh, I was going to do it. You going to do it? Do it. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, you know, we like to end our episodes with a bit of positivity and light for the masses. And uh, talk about a piece of media that we like or means something to us or so forth and so on. So, Jose, would you like to go first or me? You should. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So, basically, um, I was having a so-so week. It, it, it hasn't been the greatest, hasn't been the worst week of my life. But, you know, so-so. Um, despite not being very religious, um. For some reason, I do like to listen to gospel. Uh, it definitely does inspire me and lift me. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> thank you, Brother Jose. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brother Joe. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, so uh, the two gospel songs that are definitely on different sides of the spectrum that definitely make me reflect and make me feel a lot lighter and brighter, I guess you could say are um kurt franklin melodies uh melodies from heaven i don't you, you're probably you don't know either one of these but uh it's, it's it's a great song uh my favorite thing in the world whether it is gospel or christmas music or just a regular song is when they do that the singing in a round thing where one person does something and somebody else is doing something in the background and somebody else comes in with that i love that shit I don't love know what it. that's called in a technical term, but I love it. That's why I like Carol of the Bells so much. Yeah. Um, but um, Melodies from Heaven by Kurt Franklin. Beautiful song. Love it. Second song on the opposite spot, side of the spectrum, where it is more soulful in the sense of. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Kind of more. I don't want to say a dark tone. I don't know how to ex- describe it, but it's very more solemn, more reflective, more thinking uh, is uh, Be Grateful by Walter Hawkins. Uh, I was just on YouTube down like a rabbit hole where, you know, I click on one video of an artist, click on some other things, maybe want to see something else. And I had found that song because I had already heard about Going Up Yonder. So I heard be, be Grateful. It's like an eight, nine minute song. And honestly, it just makes me honestly appreciative for whatever I have, no matter what's happening. Uh, 
I'm grateful for what's going on in my life, that I'm alive, that my family's here and that, you know, we're always moving forward. So, you know, today, this week wasn't great, but, you know, I listened to my media and, you know, it brought something out. Do, Made okay. me more reflective and thankful and appreciative and respectful of my life in this world. You say you're not religious, but when you listen to it, do you feel like God? Do I feel like a God? No. Do you feel like, like <laughs> do you feel like God is trying to tell you something? Like, Bro, why'd you work in that title of that song? <laughs> <laughs> when you can't sleep at night. Like, do you feel like, no, but for real, do you? That's your favorite gospel song right there. It God is. is trying to tell you something. I, I had to put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I won't say I, I don't know. I, what Do I, you I, feel a higher being? It doesn't have to be like the capital God. It could just be. <laughs> the lowercase God. Like a different God. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain how I feel. Um, I do feel levitation, abbreviation. Non-segregation. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't know. But yeah, it definitely makes me feel more reflective and grateful. That's all I can say. But sometimes I, I don't I, I don't I don't talk so much about religious because it, it makes me I feel so so weird about religion. And everything, I'd rather not even ever speak about that publicly because if I ever spoke about it, people like, what the fuck is up with her? I don't need that. I don't need those problems in my life. (laughs) I I have have a lot of thoughts and feelings. It's called like Hoseaism. I believe in like a (laughs) hundred gods. I remember when you said that. (laughs) And then I came up up with Katrinianity. You did. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, That's <laughs> go go on, uh, leader of Hoseaism. <laughs> okay, um, my media for this week that almost made me pick a different one, but um, it wasn't included in this just because the new Pokemon game came out and I didn't feel like researching that much on it. But <laughs> <laughs> did you? It was all over Twitter and it was. The, a few months ago or a month ago it was called bad art friend bad art friend no okay. what is this for i think it was a new york times article and it was about a woman who gave a kidney transplant a live donation transplant so she was still alive she gave her transplant or her kidney to a random okay. stranger and Ooh. she documented it she like had a facebook group and she was a writer and like she would tell them like how her process was going, how she was going to be in a parade, how she was on the jumbotron, just stuff like that. Okay. And here comes this other woman who was also in the writing group in the Facebook group. And she saw the post and <laughs> she started kind of messaging with other friends in the group saying oh my god did you see this did you see how she did this like how can she be so into herself and oh look at me i'm just so good and Mm. she ended up writing a book not a yeah i think a book called the kindness and it's about a white woman who gives a live donation transplant to i believe a chinese man But the problem is that she pretty much took the letter that the friend wrote, 
like word for word and put it in the first draft of the book. And so it kind of, it's really messy of who's the bad art friend. Is it the bad friend who wrote the book about the kidney transplant and stole her life pretty much? Or is it the bad art friend who gave the kidney and then got mad because someone wrote a book that kind of um, copied her life? Okay. So it's one of those gray area things. And it's not really a media, but it's one of those things I love where it's gray area. And I read the article and I couldn't get enough. And I read everyone's takes on it. And I like went through, like after it, like all these screenshots were posted and stupid stuff. Because now mm. the girl who gave the kidney, or the woman who gave the kidney, I should stop saying girl. Um, hey, is girl. Like, is like suing the other one. Hmm. So it's not really media, more just like mess. It's the messy media, Jose. <laughs> and yeah, it's stuff I love. Anything that people argue about if who's in the right, who's in the wrong, I'm like, I'm, I need to get in on this. Yeah, I gotta look this up. I have never heard of anything like what you... Sorry, my my mic is all over the place this episode. Uh, I did not... I ain't never heard of that, ever. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, if you just look up on Twitter, really, Bad Art Friend, there's like a hundred people giving their, their take on it, on who is the Bad Art Friend. Uh-uh-uh. Man. And that just reminded me, this is not my media where I guess it is now. You never watched it, did you? Uh Little Fires Everywhere. Man, you know, that's you and I was I was just about to watch that today. (laughs) No, you were not. I keep forgetting. So I remember I'm gonna go, I'm gonna watch it though, for real. (laughs) Really ill. I remember I watched that, and when I was watching it, I told my friend Amanda to watch it, and then afterwards we were hanging out. And First of all, you're who? My friend Amanda. You don't have no friends. <laughs> so after that, I was we were talking about it, and I'm like, because we never agree on anything. So I was like, who do you think is in the right on here? And she sided with Reese Witherspoon's character, and... Well, not Reese Witherspoon's character, because it's not really about her. She sided with one of the characters who was not the biological mother. And you don't know what that means, so you need to watch it to get it. Man, that's 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 not fair. Why are you saying <laughs> secret spoilers that I gotta unfurl when I watch it? Yeah, and I was like, how can you think that? That she's the one who deserves a child. Okay, yeah, somebody yeah. deserves a child. <laughs> Man. You need to watch it so we can discuss it. One one of these days, I really am going to watch it. Okay, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all for this episode, this kind of weird episode. Do you have anything else, Tad? Don't drink and pod, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I did not. I'm 100% sober. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Get out of here, bro. Yeah, we need to get out of here. Uh, but no. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at our 
email, which is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. You can send us your media. You can you can give us suggestions on who to do next. You can give mm-hmm. us, we accept celebrity scandals. We accept celebrity deaths. We, cele- uh, we, we accept <laughs> celebrity death scandals. Yes. And a celebrity mystery. I kind of went into a mystery, an unsolved case, if you have one out there. Jose will have those. I hate unsolved mysteries. I love them. And anything that's a gray area, send them over. <laughs> um, if you want to reach us on Twitter, that's Save Your Sorry. So at Save Your Sorry, but the your is spelled you are. If you want to reach us on Instagram, that's Save Your Sorry, spelled just like the podcast. If you want to send us a dollar to, that's dollar sign, Save Your Sorry, at Cash App, spelled just like the podcast. I think that was all of... Oh, please rate us five stars. Please leave us a review. Please share. Please tell someone if you guys are having any Thanksgiving plans. Tell your oh, yeah. family. And I think that's all. We might be back next week. We might not. We might take a break for Thanksgiving. We might never come back. Ooh. So let Ooh. us know. <laughs> mystery, mystery. This has been the last episode. Spice. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Hell of a way to announce it. So tune in to see if we come back. Bye. Bye. Hallelujah. Amen.